February 20th, 2022. Let's continue in Nefesh HaHayim. We're in Sha'ar Dalid, Perek Kafeh. I'd like to learn today. Perek Kafeh and Perek Kavav together. Says Nefesh HaHayim at the beginning here on page 753. Description thus far with the individuals who demerit themselves through Bitul Torah. It says, well, technically speaking, when we're talking about these individuals who bring forth for themselves that severing of connection, that specifically that I'll be able to focus on those individuals and their circumstances when at least in the world there are or there is someone who's davik ba Torah, where there is someone who's studying Torah lishma. Ve'az ha'anashim shbetilim legamre me'aisek ha-Torah me'roa bechiratam hem ma'yeredu she'ol chayim u'mgorashim nistapeh b'nachalat avdeh Hashem advukim bo'yit such a circumstance where there are others, where there is a other who is Lomed Torah, who is involved in Torah Lishma. So now the person who isn't studying, who cut himself off, well, that person, of course, finds, as we discussed and we developed in the past few weeks, finds his ultimate either demise or his current demise in terms of his severed relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But that's specifically that there is someone studying Torah. He's getting to his point. He says, again, and this is a point he made, he's a nuanced spin on it. What's that? It's quoting from Tanad Veliyahu over here. It's a nuanced spin on what he developed earlier in Perek Yodalif, and that is, we'll discuss how it's different over here a bit in just a moment. The concept of Nefesh HaHayim, and it's, it's a novel concept, which maybe is more accepted and understood today, but it was for him a breath uh, 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 what's it called? An earth-shattering statement and something that he very much lived by and preached. And that is that Torah is the bedrock of existence to the extent that in the physical, literal sense, not in a spiritual sense per se, the world would be hoser letohu, as the Gemara says in Masechet Shabbat. It would go back to utter chaos and confusion if not for a constancy of Talmud Torah. That's right. Now, again, as we discussed, it doesn't per se mean HaKadosh Baruch Hu would be destroying the world, mamash. It means the world would exist like those years of Tohu. In other words, the Gemara describes how for thousands of years, quote-unquote, before the giving of the Torah, we lived, humanity lived in a world of Tohu. So that means it's a world which would be utterly chaotic, not in the sense that the average person would be able to pinpoint and say, well, that building's upside down, but rather life would not resemble a normal life, a life in which matters do and should fit in place. That's the description throughout. So he's returning to that over here. He says, listen, I've been discussing, we've been developing the idea of an individual who cuts himself off from Torah, the Karet, the Gehinom, and so forth. He says, but that's provided that in this world there is someone who's studying Torah. If there isn't someone who's studying Torah, 
Not forget about talking about this individual. All of existence is utterly chaotic and destroyed and, and wrongful in its state of being. Every day, there are those destructive angels, messengers from God, who go out to seek destruction. If it were not for statement again. Statement again. He's describing different, he's, he's mentioning different midrashim than he did in Perak Yodalf, which should already raise eyebrows. If it's the same point that he discussed and developed earlier, 13, 14 chapters ago, well, over there he told us that Nishmat HaChayim, and of course the name of the book is Nefesh HaChayim, but Nishmat HaChayim he described over there, beyond the Nefesh of existence, the Nishama of existence, when we're dealing with more elevated state of uh, the, the supernal, elevated world, he says that is all underwritten by Torah. That's what he described in Perek Yodalf. Over here, seems to be going back to the point, but instead of in the same, call it Nishama flavor, he's talking about Malachi Habala. He's talking about Horban Ha'olam, not just reversing to Tohu. So keep that in mind for just a few more moments. Im The world can and will be sustained by those who are the Siridea Peleta, those who are the individuals who stand apart and call out. Of course, it means Torah. Hashem Kore Ha'osekim Batorah Kedoshah Yoman Valayla Sheloit Batelu Legamre Lahazor Letovavo Hasveshalom. It's those individuals who sustain existence. Aval, if for even a moment, a second, there was a cessation, a stopping of Torah, well, that's the end of it all. Now, again, it doesn't mean we all drop dead on the spot, per se. It means rather that existence as we know it, the world which is mitukan, the world which is not a world of toh, that's what, that's what revert, we revert back to. That's the description again. He reiterates it. It's even a single individual can sustain, will sustain it. That's an interesting and important um, uh, quote, citation he has over there. He's quoting the Gemara in Perik Helek, that's the last chapter in Masechet Sanhedrin, he cites Rabbi Yohanan, he's Megin al kol ha'olam kulo. He protects the world, so to speak. Now I'm going to pause for just a moment. And, and reflect upon that because that's really the, the, the springboard to understanding how this Perik brings us not in a different direction, but it moves, it shifts the focus from the Nishamav Hayim of Torah to one in which Torah has another aspect in which it sustains existence. If you take a look on the source sheet, and the first source, it's from this Perush to Nefesh HaHayim. It's called Meshivat Nefesh or Meshivat Nefesh. It's written by a Rabbi Leichter. I've discussed him on more than one occasion. He's a, 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 a rabbi who's, what's that? 
Nafesh. It should be Nafesh. I imagine people call it Mishivat Nefesh. I could be wrong. Anyway, anyways, as he, he writes over here, he points out, for example, that as Nefesh Ahayim is citing from that Gemara, there were several statements in the Gemara of Kola Osek Batura Lishma. And in Perek Yod Aleph, again, 14 chapters ago, he mentioned the following. Over there he said, a person who studies Torah Lishma, Oseh Shalom the statement is he brings peace to the upper legions and the lower legions. Now that's very much very much so. so that's that's Tanad Veliyahu. So in other words, but it's in the same statement in the Gemara. So the Gemara has you know, one of these midrash, Midrashim Gemaras. The, all of Perik Helik really is that. And the Gemara says anyone who studies Torah Lishma, so one opinion is he makes peace between the Pamalya Shel Ma'ala and the Pamalya Shel Mata. Pamalya again meaning legions. The legions Kivyachol of Hakadosh Baruch above and below. Another opinion in the Gemara that he cited there, and again Perik Yodalf in chapter eleven. It's as if he established, he built the uh, the mansion, the uh, the castle of above and of below. Do you understand the references there in 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 uh, in Perik Yodalf? In Perik Yodalf, the references are to these uh, call it out of this world esoteric vision of what Torah does. It's the neshamav hayim. It sustains life. It's the fuel of existence. That's what he's describing. It's above and it's below, and it's bringing the peace and the symmetry between the two. So, what's the citation he has over here in our Perik? What what did Nefesh Hayim quote over here? Kol Ausek, right in the middle here, page seven fifty five. Kol Ausek, but Torah lishma. It's almost as if you had this breathtaking vision of studying Torah, gives the fuel, it generates energy, that's what it is. And that's how, and it also builds the Paltarin Shilmala, Paltarin Shilmata. You're getting into Musa's line of vision, you're opening Zohar, you're envision, you understand it. That's what's going on over there. And then here in Pere Cafe, I kind of brought you down a little bit. You want to know what it does? It brings protection to the world. Now, is, are those conflicting? They're certainly not conflicting, but they're different vantage points. And that's the point over here. Perek Hafe brings you in a bit of a different direction, whereas Perek Yodalf talked about the source of existence. Perek Hafe says once there is existence, well, how do you keep a symmetry? How do you keep an equilibrium within a world which is already sustained? Yes, Moses. It's very much with the, what we say with the Magin Abraham. Abraham Fantastic, but the point, Abraham, of course, but the, but the point over here that you're right. So that'll that'll work in, in tandem with this. The point over here is there's a twofold, there's, there's a dual vision of what it means to be what Torah could do. There's on the one hand, there's the out of this world vision of hard to understand this esoteric description of the world is sustained by Torah. If you even for a moment it was missing that Gemara, Masechet Azara, you're going back to the, the years, the 2,000 years of Tohu, the Gemara and Shabbat, we've discussed, we've deliber- we deliberated upon, oh, each of, okay, now he says, but there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that because once we have it, 
Well, how are you living in this? You have a business, and the business was born out of the financing of the, of, of the founder of the business. He puts it together, and he's the one who still is there to bankroll the business. That's the individual who stands behind it. That's the sustainer. That's the Perik Yodalif. Perik Yodalif is, it's the Paltarin Shil Ma'ala, and the Paltarin Shil Ma'ala, Pamalya Shil Ma'ala. So you have it the affecting on a grand scale, and it's a small. That's what Perik Yodalif is. Perik Chafhe is, all right, now you step into the business and you're walking around. What's keeping the people with an equal vision? Words, yeah, you have lots of personalities. You have lots of directions that this business wants to go in. And it's going to go. And it's going to do all that. And it's got the fuel for it. But it'll self-destruct if you don't have something that's bringing it together. That's what he's describing here in Perik That's how Rabbi Leichter suggests it. In Perik over here, you're dealing with a world that, that, that needs... That guidance gives Le Mashal as well in the eyes of the Hachamim, in the eyes maybe of the Torah. It's the difference between Moshe and Aharon. Moshe is the one who brings down Torah. Moshe is the one who's that Nishama for Am Yisrael, the individual who embodies, who embodies in the eyes of Zohar and the eyes of Kubalim, embodies the Nishmot Kol Yisrael. It's he who, so to speak, is the representative and in turn gives that Shefa to others. And then there's the Aharon. The Aharon is the Yosef Shalom, the Rodef Shalom the one who knows now how to bring it into effect amongst the people. He's the one who knows how to teach the people. He's the one who knows how to do the Avodah Bamikdash. So it means that while at once Torah brings that essence of existence into fruition, it's the source of all, then there's the more practical side of things. And I think you could appreciate this one in a practical sense in an easier way than the past one. Past one, okay, it's a vision, it's an understanding in Kabbalah, this one? Well, look at a life, as it says Nefesh HaHayim, in which you're structuring it through Devar Hashem and envision a life, alternatively, where it's heke, you're just shooting from the hips. The description is, this is what gives you the proper lenses with which to bring forth an appropriate equilibrium, an appropriate izun would be the Hebrew word for this, uh, um, to life as we know it, which means to say there could be misvot, and there could be ma'asim tovim, and there could even be Torah if it's not seen through the prism of Torah, so then you have lots of players, but you have a cacophony of noise. This is what makes that symphony. That's his description throughout here. So now he gets very, he's trying to inspire. He says, can you, not, can you imagine the awesomeness of the circumstance? You are put in that awesome situation in which by studying Torah, you're able to bring forth that appropriate nature to the world, and that's on your head, and that's on your shoulders. How could you then uh, uh, find time to move away from it when you have the opportunity to study, to immerse yourself appropriately in a life of it? It's not only the black and white study. And so to speak, if you're in that moment where there is no one else studying Torah, now it's a far-off reality. It's a far-off thought, especially in a day and age where there are Jews throughout the world studying Torah because we have different time zones. But in Nefesh HaChayim's Yeshiva, that's Etz Chayim Yeshiva in Volazhin, it's in a time period during which there was less Jews throughout the world. And as a result, he said, 
set up, he was true to his word, and this is well known, he set up a system in the yeshiva where at all times there was someone studying Torah. So you had the night shifts, you had the two to five o'clock shift, you had the, uh, what's that? Fantastic. There you go. It's just following in the vision. Again, in today's day and age, the vision of it is less pronounced than in his time. In his time, he said, in his understanding, he says, if we're missing this for even a moment, in today's day and age, where it's our Hasot Laila in Israel, you're at 6 o'clock in the morning. If you're 6 o'clock in the morning, we'd imagine there's something going on in the context of Torah. What's that? I'm happy, but he's not saying that. It seems like he's saying only any... He says in the, in the follow paragraph, not saying even a single talent from true alone. That's right. That's right. I mean, that he, he didn't have the. What's that? Sleep. You're saying you have to not sleep. No, no, no. Not one person needs to be doing it constantly. There needs to be a constancy of one person doing it. No. Then yes, 100%. Not even a single talent from true alone has completely caused the establishment and continuation of the That's right. That's right. That's right. No, of course he does. He means the whole world is batil, and you, Dr. Masri, are the only one studying. So you are the no, one sustaining. The you're the one. I'm going to sustain it until I go to sleep, and then the world's going to be destroyed. That's the way you're reading it. And I'm reading it as he clings to Torah, and that's enough. He's sleeping to recover, to learn more Torah, and he's accepting it, it, it. Okay. Good. Uh, I'll, I'll accept. Again, he did it in the literal sense, right? So he does it in the literal sense. You expand it. You say if the assumption okay, is... The way Nebuchadnezzar is wording it, I think that he's taking it to an extreme. He's taking it to an extreme because the Nebuchadnezzar is clearly That's correct. saying one person could do it alone. Uh, I'm just telling you who he is. It's he himself, right? No, it's he himself is successful. Oh, he's, oh, he's the one. Yeah, yeah. The one who wrote Yes, yes, yes. The author of Nefesh Chaim is the same establisher of the Yeshiva Etz Chaim, and he established it based on this principle that that's the way it's going to be done. You are correct in your vision that we could imagine an individual who has a constant life of Torah, even through sleep and eating and so on and so forth. Okay, but the counterclaim is, has it been done? Will it be done? So let's, you know, let's be safe, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Zot Torah v'Zot Sechara Merubah Me'od En Ha'arich Shuha Notel Sachar Kula Mahar Shehu Asher Kiyem Ve'Hainid Berov Kohot Kol Ha'olamot Ata. That's the description of this individual who has that potential and who might be in that moment that sustainer, that visionary, that Aharon, that Moshe. Ve'Akkonze Amru Rabotenu Zuchronam Divracha Ba'Mishnah Shkole Had Misrael Hayav Lomar. Bishvili Nivraha Olam, it's that statement, the Gemara, the Mishnah in Masechet Sanhedrin, and Aflam Medzayin, each person has the mandate to say the world was created for me. Harambam quotes us in Hilchot Teshubah, in Perekim al Halachadalit. Harambam over there is talking about how a person is supposed to envision themselves constantly as Hetzio Zakai Vahetzio Hayav, and in turn the entire world, the entire universe is all Hetzio Hayav, Hetzio Kayam, Hetzio Zakai, which means to say there's a certain mandate, a certain responsibility that each of us have, Ashe Adam it's an opportunity. So, so we're supposed to have a constant fear and awe of the totality of existence. That's not to bring to anxiety, it's to bring to responsibility. Okay. 
למה על כולם, העולה על כולם, שהוא נוגע לקיום כל העולמות. Again, the description which he's made, this, this, this distinction between Torah and Mitzvot, the vision is Torah is that sustainer, the Torah is that vision, those lenses, whereas Mitzvot are important, Mitzvot are what they're doing in the rooms in the business, but the Torah is the mission statement that's on the walls. Uh, the Torah is the vision that, uh, that, that, that each one of those employees has. So the mitzvot might be what's taking place. Uh, that's what, the, uh, that's what the, the footmen are doing. But ultimately speaking, if you're missing the Torah, so then you're missing all that kulam. That's the description over here. Again, Perek Kafe brings us a step forward or to the side from Perek Yodalf. Perek Yodalf describes the energy, the gas in the engine. Perek Kafe describes the GPS. That's the description over here of Torah embodying first and foremost just the, uh, the, the bedrock, the foundations, and then secondly, and just importantly, uh, uh, the direction. Yes, doctor? Is there a strict definition of what Torah and Nishma is? Yeah, we dealt with that earlier in Perek Dalet, in Sha'ar Dalet. Yes, it's, I, I can give you one line, but it's going to just throw you off, but I'll say it to you. He told us early in Sha'ar Dalet, in like Perek Gimal or so, Perek Dalet, he said it's L'Shem HaTorah. It's not as the Hasidim will say L'Shem Devekut for cleaving, it's part of it. It's not L'Shem anything or everything else, it's rather L'Shem HaTorah, strict and, and, and narrow for the essence of Torah which is hard to define. What's that? It means Torah. It means because God told me these are his words, I am therefore doing it for the sake of reading and learning his words. That's already away from Lishma. Yes, it's difficult. It's a wonderful question. Elsewhere in his Pirakim, you see Nefesh HaHayim before Sha'ar Dalit has eight Pirakim. Those are the most... Uh, those are the most, uh, you know, the, the most, even though not direct, not overt, but the most antagonistic with regards to Hasidut of his time. And in there he has, and he has in his Ruach Hayim, I don't think he has it in Sha'ar Dalid any, anywhere, he has the statement, of course, of the Hachamim in Masech Pesachim and Dafnun, that Le'olam Ya'azok Adam Torah Mitzvot Shiloh Lishma, Shemitok Shiloh Lishma Ba'lishma. What's Le'olam at all times? What do you mean? I'm supposed to come to Lishma. The description is that it's impossible that if you have in mind a goal to get to Torah Lishma, which difficult, which hard, so to speak, in Arambam's Ahavat Hashem, well, it's impossible that at one moment, at one second, it won't creep in an actual Lishma. In turn, everything will be uh, purified. What do you mean everything will be purified? If that was my objective all along, even though I just saw it for a moment, it means all the effort where I was struggling through the Lishem this or Lishem that was now in turn determined and understood to be Lishma, because I actually got to, even if it was for a fleeting moment, that's his description. Anyway, that being the case, Perek Kavav brings us a bit, uh, a bit further in, in, with regards to this description, from, in my mind, brings us into a, a fundamental principle, which, which I want to develop briefly with you. Nora Ha'ariza. So his description over here. Ah, so your eyes go up. Says says Nefesh Hayim. Says because Torah, as we discussed, as we described, as we will, 
on another occasion, it says Torah needs to be envisioned as this embodiment which we find in a, uh, a, a earthly existence, but really which resides beyond. Uh, which resides at the top of, if we're to give a hierarchy to existence, at the top of what we call these olamot. But the vision, therefore, needs to be kivyachol. It was uh, down this chain of existence, uh, bringing its way to human beings, as we've described. That's the Midrash in Masechet, uh, in Masechet Shabbat, that the angels seek the Torah. How could the angels seek the Torah? Look at it. Why would you give the Torah to human beings? It's not that it really is. It's that it emanates from. Which it's meant for existence. No, No, you're saying it wrong. It's meant for existence. It's manifested for us in this world. That's why I mentioned that Midrash, because when I talk about an angel involving him or herself in, in Torah, what am I describing? No, I'm describing something. I'm describing them touching on existence. Well, we could touch on existence and they could touch on existence. That's a hidush that even we can touch on existence. So it means that the Torah, so to speak, has this malbush of olam hazeh, of olam, of, of, of olam shel b'nei adam, but ultimately speaking, it resides above, we can tap into that. We can somehow funnel something upward when it was coming down to us, but in, at its core, it doesn't belong over here. At its core, it, so to speak, got clothing in order to be here. That's Ariza, that's Nefesh Ha'ayim, Lo He wants it was given to us here. So it's not going to be determined by an out-of-this-world existence, but that's a Hidush. Anyway, it says Nefesh Ha'ayim, Anwar, Rakshen, Yishtal, Yishav, Yaradav, Umesara, Uneta'ahu, Yitbarach, Betochenu, Shenehiyeh, Anah, in turn, we were given that responsibility to safeguard, to be involved in continuation of what he told us in the last chapter. He says, as a result of it being funneled downward, well, we're now holding on to it. So imagine, you know, this 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 uh, this shelshelit of sorts, this chain in which it's funneled downward, this essence of Torah to the bottom. But now there's some sort of reciprocity, some sort of symbiosis in which my involvement is what's going to continue that generated energy within this shelshelit. As a result, if I stop it and it was handed over, as Musa says, to Lo Bashamaimi, the responsibility was given to me. It means. The vision in turn, it's hard to understand, it's impossible to fully perceive. That means it's all shut down. It means you turned off the, the generator. It means the energy is all all gone. We have that possibility to keep it going. That's a description. This is to a certain extent bringing us back to that description. Again, that's the onus of responsibility on humanity. It's an ironic, uh, paradoxical vision. How can I be the responsible one 
shouldn't it be the angels? Shouldn't it be God himself? No, but that's the reality. The reality is such that for one reason or another, we've been given the burden of that responsibility. And as a result, the Torah that we observe and we understand and we upkeep is what sustains existence. Well, the angels have it, they didn't sustain it. What sustains existence and in turn, 100%. And so again, that's... To, to put it in Musa words, that's the sword of Ruah, right? That's the opportunity to understand that the middle part, I mean, we all know this. I mean, I've read, I've, I've read too much on this in, in the world of psychology. It's the in-between. It's, um, it's always the threshold, which is the most, uh, the transitions, which are always the most critical. It's not the top and it's not the bottom. It's the in-between. If the in-between is appropriately and sensitively tweaked and dealt with appropriately in the right way, well, that's how you'll continue this going, what's supposed to be coming and going in the right fashion. That's the opportunity that human beings have. It's the same statement. And for a moment, there was a bitul in mass. Well, that would mean the end of it as we know. That's important. It says, is this in contrast to all the mitzvot and specifically even tefillah. Why is he saying even tefillah? Well, tefillah is another mode of avodah. I see Haram Bamin is when he talks about Avodat Hashem, uh, there are those who criticize Ramban Nachmani and others criticize Ramban. How could Avodat Hashem be one of the 613 mitzvot? Avodat Hashem is what we do. That's all the mitzvot, says Ramban. No, but the rabbis told us specific modes of Avodah. What are those specific modes? We know one of them. It's tefillah. It's tefillah. At the very beginning on that bit. However, Ramban goes on to quote from Mechilta, excuse me, Pesikta de Rav Kahana, that you're supposed to be Oved Hashem also with his Torah, which means that worship of God comes forth from not only tefillah, but Torah as well, which means Torah and tefillah have a very close association one with the other. Torah and tefillah are both modes of what we would call utmost and the epitome of avodah. So he says, but you have to understand that Torah resides in our hierarchy above tefillah. Why so? He quotes the Gemara Masechet Shabbat. The hachamim compare and contrast tefillah to Torah. Tefillah is hayesha'a. Torah is hayesha'olam. Torah is a constant. Tefillah has specific times. Torah is Yoman Valayla. Tefillah has Emane Tefillah. It has specific times where it's appropriate, others when it's not. He continues, and I'll take you to the next bullet point, the next darkened bullet point. Velo'od, because he, he discusses and develops exactly what I just said. Ela shigam kol ikar inyan ha tefillah enateluya rak be'esek ha-Torah kedosha. Those are the critical and important words I want to focus on for the last few minutes over here. And that is that tefillah, he's going to quote from several ma'amare hachamim, is dependent upon Torah. What sort of statement? First and foremost, it's already been pointed out that our prayer books certainly follow this. We begin the prayer books with mentions from Torah. We have Mizmorim, but we have Ma'amarim at the beginning. We have the Bekota Torah prior to Tefillah. Much of our Tefillah is built on the bedrock, on the foundation of Torah. Why should Tefillah in any way be dependent upon, so to speak, 
tefillah, it's the vision of the hachamim, as we've mentioned more than once in Masechet Berachot, that the ideal place to pray is the place where you study as well. You're supposed to have the same makom for Torah as tefillah. All right, so maybe we just want to get our avodah altogether. But his statement over here, and he quotes from several ma'amare hachamim, so to speak, is that it's beyond that. There's a contingency of sorts. Why should there be a contingency of tefillah Upon, tif- upon Torah. So in the, in the book, Yirat uh, Hayim, uh, Yirat Hayim is a commentary on Nefesh Hayim as well. It was written by, well, by students of Rabbi Elia Weintraub. Rabbi Elia Weintraub was a, a great Kabbalist and Jewish thinker who passed away just a few years ago from in Eretz Israel. So he suggests the following. It's here in source number two. He quotes the Gemara Masech Bava Batra, which we've quoted on other occasions on Daf Ayin Dalit, and that is that existence in totality was built by God and crafted purposefully in the model of what we call Zachar and Nekeva. Zachar and Nekeva, of course, in the raw sense, means male and female. Beyond that, in the worlds of the, the, the Jewish thinkers, the hachamim, the philosophers as well, indeed, Musa, um, it's the mashpi'a and the mekabil, which means to say we envision existence as those forces which give and the others which take. In the most raw sense, we envision our lives as human beings. We are mekabilim from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he's the mashpi'a. A relationship, by definition, takes effect when there's constantly a mashpi'a and a mekabil. One second. I'm getting there. This says Musa, you should know. Even the Mikabel in every relationship, in other words, and that's that's an important point, especially in today's day and age, to be made, because if a, a female hears, I, I was told by my, I've told this story more than once. My father was once under the chupa with someone who was speaking, and that individual started speaking, and he talked about how the masculine in Judaism, he quoted from Hanam Bam and from Plato and so forth, is the dominant force. And uh, everybody's chuckled a little awkwardly. Are you serious? You're under the chupa and you're talking like that? And he, st- and he stomped his foot down as my father told me the true story. I mean, it's personality. Anyway, he says he stomped. Uh, no, no. He says, stomped his foot down, and he said, it "Doesn't matter." He stomped his foot down. And he said, "I'm speaking words of emet. How can people be laughing at this?" You see, it is words of emet, but you have to understand the statement. I mean, first and foremost, uh, even if it is emet, if people are gonna get uncomfortable, okay, we well, have the right times and opportunities to say so. But what I'm telling you is, it's not male per se. It's male in the philosophical, capitalistic, thoughtful sense. It's male in in the respect that we're talking about mashpia, the one who's giving and then the one who's taking is the female. Not every relationship at all times has, quote, the male physically being the mashpia and the female being the mikabilit. Quite often it's, it's very different. And certainly there's supposed to be a give and take throughout. The mashpia should be, as Musa said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is a mikabel as well in Melech Belo'am. As a result, well, what Rabbi Weintraub suggests over here is it works works as follows without getting into all the sources, we don't have time for it. He suggests the following, he suggests it goes like this, when we talk about Torah being that source of existence, so kivyachol, we partner as part of the hashba'ah, which means say the existence in totality brings forth, is brought forth through my study, through my involvement, through my life of Torah. That's how I find the hashba'ah. I partner with HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Torah. But then, once the Torah is here, how do I appreciate that? Well, then I play the other side of the relationship. Then I'm the mekabel. Then I'm the person who appreciates the makir top, as Rashi writes in the first reference to tefillah in his commentary, right? It's, that's the day in creation when human beings come about and they're able to understand what God is setting forth. That's at its core what tefillah is all about. Tefillah is being a mekabel. It's understanding avodah, avdut, kabalat ol malchut shamayim. My servitude, so to speak, is the opportunity within tefillah to understand in this relationship 
relationship that sometimes, that oftentimes I need to take a step back. And I need to understand how I'm receiving from him. It's like Rabbeinu Yonah says, that's why you need to be somech geulah litfilah. What's the necessity of going from geulah, ga'al Yisrael, into tefilah? And it's a necessity. No amen in the middle, no stopping in the middle. Says Rabbeinu Yonah in his commentary to Pekeavot. He says the interpretation goes as follows. You need to begin Amidah. With the proper perspective, we say, So I'm walking into this, not envisioning myself as maneuvering, manipulating you, God. I'm walking into this understanding. We're just here to have this conversation, this dialogue in which I understand my role as a mekabel. Rabbi Ezra Bik of Yeshivat Harasyon wrote an entire book on tefillah uh, surrounding this. He goes through the Amidah and he surrounds it with this point. That is tefillah at its core. That's not the contrast. That's the symbiosis. That's the reciprocity, the yin yin yang. Of, of tefillah and Torah, which means you start with the Torah of hashba'ah. You start with, I'm involved in that relationship with God, in which I say, I'm going to sustain, I'm going to be mashpia, and then let me take a step back and accept. And the, uh, the beauty of it, in my mind, is the opportunity to effectively do so is the opportunity to establish a true relationship, which means to say, if, as we discussed earlier, there's just a mashpia and just a mekabel, if it's just, quote, the dominant male and female roles, that relationship is deficient because there's only one constantly giving and one constantly taking. If you can play the role at all times in tandem of both, if you're able to be the mashpia of Torah and the mekabel of tefillah, in a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with existence in totality, that is what a relationship is about. That is in my mind, just very briefly, without getting into all the midrashim that I put on the paper, that's the description of, and I've mentioned it more than once, Rashi quotes the Gemara, the Gemara in Masechet Cholin and Dafsamech, which describes Kivyachol, how the moon complains about the sun being the same size as it. Wait a second. And as a result, the Kadosh Baruch Hu says, so, so moon, diminish yourself. But wait, what, what's the description? The description is very clear. If you understand, it's not a story about moons and suns talking and wearing crowns. It's a description of Mashpi'an Mekabil. The sun, which we all know, and Hachamim knew much better than us, just as well as us on this point, right? The sun is what reflects off the moon, and in turn, we see the light from that. The moon, it's a ridiculous claim. The moon is a human being saying, I want to be like God. It's like the sin of Adam and Hadavi. That's a ridiculous claim. You're, ex- you're receiving. You're a mekabel. You're just radiating that sun. You're just, the light is beaming off of you. You can't claim you want to be the same as the sun. It's a ridiculous claim. It's the vision of the hachamim as well as Moshe, the Gemara and Bava Batra right there, and Amud Aleph. Moshe is Pene Hama, so to speak, the face of, of the sun. And Yehoshua is Pene Levana, which means to say Yehoshua uh, is the one who receives from Moshe. He's the Mikabel, and in turn radiates it. That's what the Gemara says in that Yehoshua, when he turns to Moshe and says, I don't have any questions. I got it all. I got this all figured out. He forgets all the Torah that he learned from Moshe. What they're describing is when you confuse your role, well, that leads to a confused situation, a ruined relationship. But what is the ultimate? And here is where I finish the Pasuk in source number seven, Perek Lamed, Vehayah, this is talking about Yomot HaMashiach, when it all comes to fruition, when our relationship with the world, with God, with one another, really fits and matches, Or HaLevana Keor HaHama, that's the time when the Mekabel and the Mashpia are both radiating equally, which means to say, I'm in a relationship with Borei Olam, my relationship with God is such that 
my involvement with him as the source, so to speak, as Nefesh Hayim describes it, as Rabbi Weintraub was, was, was couching it for us, through Torah, I'm now involved in that Torah, that Mashpia role, while at the same time, Tefillah, which in turn comes afterwards, Mikabel, that's a relationship as it should be, that's a relationship we all strive for. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.